And welcome everyone to episode number 12 of the VR Pimp Podcast. I'm your host, Scotty Velvet. And in this episode, I speak with Telly Lopez Fu, owner and product manager at Paradigm Net Media. Telly produces content for Groovy VR and is preparing to launch a new site named JustVR.XXX in the near future. We discuss his decision to go all in on virtual reality, the many different aspects of VR porn production, and his video Virtual Reality starring Annabelle Lane, which just recently won Best VR Scene at the Transgender Erotica Awards. This is actually a very interesting niche market for VR porn, as we have seen a handful of the larger VR porn sites spin off their own transgender VR sites. In addition to Groovy VR, we have Virtual Real Trans from Virtual Real Porn. We have TS Virtual Lovers, which is from Reality Lovers. And then we have VRB Trans from VR Bangers. And then there are a few smaller sites that also have some transgender content available. So this is definitely a growing market within VR porn, and I would expect to see more transgender sites popping up as the demand continues to grow. Telly wanted me to pass along a discount code that can be used on Groovy VR until June. The code is VRPIMP25 and will get you 25% off on all the items in your Groovy VR shopping cart. But please note that you can only use this code once. Now, before I play my interview with Telly, I need to mention that unfortunately there are some drops in audio quality during our discussion. So apologies for that. I really hope it doesn't take away from your pleasure in listening to our discussion, as Telly provides a lot of great insight into the world of virtual reality and VR porn production. So let's start it out here with Telly giving us his thoughts on the evolution of 180 3D VR cameras. Maybe about 2014. That's kind of when I got uh, heavily involved into the VR stuff. Um, at the time, I was working at Groovy, and I left Groovy just to pursue VR kind of cashed out my 401k and tried to understand the technology behind it. And even at that time, you had some camera manufacturers that were leaning more towards the 180 route. Uh, one of them was Lucid. Uh, I forgot the, his last name, but his name was Han, and he was based out of San Fran. And they had a product that was shooting 1080p in a very small, nice little device. And the stereo looked pretty good. It's just, I don't know if it was ahead of its time. Um, there's there was so much more of a push on the 360 side, especially because it was getting a lot of mainstream money from advertisers and whatnot. So uh, that whole VR, well, at the time it was 3D 180, uh, kind of got pushed on the side. But now you have Lenovo doing their thing. You have Yi doing their thing. Um, hopefully those cameras come out. You have another one. I don't know if it was Candu who puts it out, uh, but they're working on this neat little, it's almost like a pen device that's supposedly 180 capable as well as 360 stereo. And then let's see here, Zcam, they produced the K1 Pro, which I mean, it's basically the same thing as Eisenberg's rig, but it's just in a similar form factor. You still have two separate video files to deal with and there's no onboard stitching. It still does 30 frames per second. So I think now that the dust has settled on the 360 stuff and people are finally realizing the power of stereo when you're creating these immersive environments which it's just strange that it took so long for them to come around to it um, now we're getting a lot more attention as far as manufacturers towards the vr 180 side which you know once again it's very exciting and i could see that pushing forward a little bit more uh within the next year like since you started how many different camera rigs have you gone through 
Are we talking just 180 or 360? Well, maybe the better question would be to let you tell me, you know, how it all played out. Once, as you said, you you left Groovy, what you formed Paradigm and then? Well, Paradigm Net Media is a company I've had since about 2012. Um, my background kind of uh, been more in the web design side. I started doing a web design company when I was 17 and then got into graphic design and did schooling for that and then found myself... Uh, in the adult side as far as like affiliate management and then more on the back end business development. Um, I, I think I had a lot of roles, so the best term would have been product manager. This was before product management was kind of a, a neat thing to be. Um, but with that, in about 2013, 2014, there were the inklings of uh, Oculus and all that was coming about. And it just seemed like a natural medium for adult entertainment. Uh, in, in 2010, there was a, a haptic product put out by AEBN called the Real Touch System. I don't know if you remember that one. It was a, it's like a big egg device, uh, similar to the Kiru. I guess, you know, predates the Kiru system, it was a lot larger. Uh, but the technology was there and they were able to sync it up with video channels uh, on the AEBN network. And, Groovy was producing a lot of POV content, and our content was the highest rated on that uh, Real Touch channel, which you know, just gave gave another credence to how people really wanted an immersive experience. And I think it's always been the case. Uh, if you look at the history of porn, a lot of it initially was shot third person perspective, and then as the 2000s came on, it became a more immersive experience with Gonzo. And then more POV, quality POV content started coming out. People like Amateur Allure. So you know, a lot of a lot of fans just want to feel present. And the ability to merge technology with haptic tech, a POV, visual, uh, visually immersive, but at the time it was only 2D. Um, that just kind of seemed like a natural progression as people would eventually get technology uh, technology that allows them to be um, in the scene. So uh, when Oculus came out, I, I thought it'd be worth taking the dive and seeing where that would lead. Uh, and initially with my 360 stuff, I didn't go the GoPro route. I just couldn't really afford it. Uh, so I started uh, doing uh, Xiaomi Yi's. They're like the Chinese knockoff at the time. And they're nowhere to where they are now uh, as far as uh, technology and how large that business has grown. But there was a nice little dedicated community of firmware hackers. So we would try and push the limits of the firmware on these tiny $60, $70 cameras, do the modified uh, fisheye lenses, and then try to put together rigs um, just either in a circular configuration or similar to things like, the, I think they called it the 360 Rise, where it was in that weird, uh, what do you call it, like a, like a box orientation uh, that they had GoPro rigs at. So it was doing a lot of testing with that. Um, I did this one rig based off of a guy named Jason Reinhardt. He put out this website called VRcolony.net, and he kind of really sparked the interest of 3D 360 by making this elaborate 16-camera rig that uh, was using PT GUI at the time to create really nice stereo uh, 360 experiences. He was thinking about it more in real uh, real estate terms. Uh, so that kind of pushed me forward and you know, all of a sudden you're buying all these cameras and just trying things out and it, it was fun. Um, but I think what stuck with me more was the, the 3D aspect. And then when people like Naughty America came in and just tried to push, or not Naughty America, I think Czech VR was one of the first that uh, 
really push the boundaries of what could be done with 180 as far as image fidelity and all that kind of stuff was concerned. Yeah, I started scaling back off 360 stuff and then trying to create my own uh, 180 rig. So I'm still using the same Xiaomi E cameras, uh, working my IPD. Um, some of the, the first stuff that I did as far as rigs were on foam core boards. So I guess if you were to count from the start of my 180 experimentation all the way up, I don't know, maybe about 10. But you know, a lot of them weren't viable products. They had cardboard uh just cutouts just so that i could get my ipd right and then from there i started making wood models uh, just glued together so that it had more form and structure and then i could mount it on a tripod and then from there i had to learn how to uh, do 3d modeling which you know, was really fun but i'm horrible at, at measurements and millimeters so there was a lot of trial and error and that kind of stuff and then i uh, eventually I, I just met the limitations of those cameras. So then I, I had to move up to a new camera, which meant new rigs, uh, and kept trying to push it from there. So, uh, I guess with the rig I have now, it's currently on its maybe fifth evolution. But at, at this point, I think I'm getting to the limits of where this camera can go as well. Uh, and all the, the tweaks and changes have been more about efficiency than anything corrective in nature um, case in point being is when you're shooting you always want to try uh, to be as level as possible and initially i was just using a basic hand level but the change over time between putting the level on the lenses to make sure it's balanced and going back behind the camera it, it just was too much and it started eating into the time of a, a shoot day so i just glued one of those little bubble levels on there and that automatically saves about five minutes in between uh, cuts and then you multiply that over a day and you're saving around an hour's worth of time. So I just tried to be as efficient as possible with the the tests that I was doing. And I think we, we created a pretty solid system right now. And I hope to roll it out across the other Groovy photographers as well. So what are the specs of what you're putting out right now as far as, you know, are you 4K, 5K? Where are you at with that? We could do 5K based off the software that we're using and also the, the hardware, the camera components. Um, each eye is shooting at about 2432 uh, square. So the, the data is there. It's just that uh, I forgot who I was talking about. I think it was somebody in North America. It's, it, you do get lag issues because not everybody's hardware is up to spec to run that kind of file size. And then also when you're getting into 5K formats, so then you have to look at different codecs. Um, to do that, we were using something like X264 Pro, uh, but even that, it, it's a little buggy too. So then on the rendering side, it just started taking up too much time. So right now we kind of just stuck around uh, 4K UHD. Um, and a lot of that is also influenced by the customer that we're trying to service. My goal is more about creating uh, comfortable experiences that a mass amount of people can view. So we focused early on with Groovy VR on mobile devices, something that everybody has that they could at least get a, dip their toes into the water as well as try to meet the higher end user demands and hopefully through time everything will kind of coalesce into a more uh, even experience so, so that, that's kind of how we work that and you know nowadays now a year has passed on groovy vr so now I'm focusing on quality as well or visual clarity 
So when you left uh, Groovy, was it with the understanding that you would, you know, work on VR and then come back and film for them? Or was there any promises that you were going to actually be able to carry on like this as a business? Ah, well, you know, it, it, is a, it was a scary thing. Um, it's just, I think if you're, uh, I was very passionate about VR and still am. And I felt that if I didn't, allow myself the time to explore and see where it would go i would always have kind of like a regret as far as uh what could have been or what we could have accomplished and with groovy i've been there when i was working there as an employee i was there for about eight years and it's such a group of people to work with it's very family oriented the owner is uh he's, he's a pioneer within that field but he's also well respected within the industry just by being a genuine human being and it's very hard to find companies to work for like that and i've always had that mindset that whatever i create vr i want to be able to bring it back because uh, with respect to the trans community I, I feel that it's it's a small community but it's a very close and knit one and a lot of people who have never been with ts in their life or who are fans and they want to experience that uh, the ability to put them in an immersive experience where you have a, a 3D visual, you have binaural audio, the future where you have haptic technology, and to be able to explore a certain part of themselves uh, that maybe either social implications would call it taboo or, or whatnot uh, in a private setting, I feel like that's so powerful, um, not just as a business, but also as something that could possibly change society. The ability to put yourself in someone else's situation, uh, that, that's what I think was powerful, which is why I always knew that if I were to create a minimal viable product, I wanted to present it to Groovy and allow them to, to grow it and bring it to their uh, fan base as well. How long was it that you were working on it before you had something that you could take to Steven, I believe it is, at Groovy, and mm-hmm. show him and say, hey, what do you think? God, it was almost a year and a half. Um, everything before that was a lot of trial and error. And uh, during that time between 2014 to today, if if you were to look at it at a technological standpoint or even as a, a workflow standpoint, it's almost like going from maybe film to early uh, digital on um, cameras. But by about a, a year and a half, we finally had a minimal product that show it off as something with promise. Uh, it, it was never the thing, but it was promised to be the thing that gets us to the thing. So then when you did take it to him, you said, yeah, this is great, and let's do it, pretty much. Uh, yeah, it, it, once again, it, it took a little bit of convincing um, because in about 2015, the marketplace was still small for VR. Um, a lot of people had tried and failed. And uh, I think that to where we were at in time within a business sense, uh, as far as where Groovy was and how it's growing or has grown throughout the years and um, the potential that an immersive technology has coupled with the experience with uh, things like real touch and how I was able to show that uh, the user base wanted those types of experiences. It made a compelling argument enough to, to, to test the water. So we did a quick six scene shoot uh, just to see how it went. And that was about the first batch of Groovy VR scenes. And from there, we were able to see that there's a growing desire for this type of content. We just have to give it the water and help grow. 
Now it's been a year, I guess, you've been putting out films for Groovy? Yeah, it's been about a year. It's a long year. It's a kind of challenging year. Uh, just in terms of you know a lot of things you have to learn uh, about the new medium. and It really is a new medium comparatively to just 2D cinema uh, with respect to things like transitions, um, as you mentioned, camera angle placement, uh, taking into consideration where how the consumer is viewing the product on what device they're viewing the product. So uh, with all these variables, you know, there's still a lot of room to grow, uh, not just uh, Groovy VR, but also as a medium. But I think with the talented people that are working in it now, people like Naughty America that are putting out great content, VR Bangers, uh, Check VR, who's still doing fantastic work, um, and others that I'm probably missing, by having all these people kind of throw their ideas, throw their products out there, it allows the ecosystem to grow and thrive. And uh, hopefully as more people start to adopt, uh, easier to, to access technology, such as um, standalone headsets at a, at a decent price point, I think we're going to get more community interaction, which will then eventually uh, spur more competitors and keep the this medium growing. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, things like Ready Player One uh, coming out to the movie theaters, which will give, hopefully, hopefully get people a little interested in the VR and what it's capable of. I gotta say congratulations on your award at the uh, T show. Uh, yeah, I remember filming. Anna Mill is a fantastic performer, and the lights absolutely just love her. Uh, we were using these uh, Quasar Science bulbs, and we just put her in front of it, and she just load uh and i think that's not indicative of just a vr uh scene she's fantastic in all of her content um not just with groovy with every other company she works with so i'm sure win was highly attributed to her more than anything else um but you know we're really proud that it's getting a little notoriety and we can uh, try to build on that my goal isn't isn't to be the, uh, the best shooter in the world or anything like that far from it uh, what I'd like to do is to be able to help grow the ecosystem, grow the technology, and then push it over towards other directors, other photographers, not only limited to the United States, but across the globe, so that we can provide experiences that a lot of people are locked off to. You know, Some people have never been to Thailand. What would that be like? Um, going around Soy Cowboy or uh, hanging out with Damaso in Brazil. Um, going to japan and seeing the new half there the experiences like these uh, i think are what people crave and i'm hoping to be part of part of a team or part of that crowd that can get us there do you find that filming transgender content do you have some things that are maybe different from what people are shooting in regular bg scenes there's a lot more flexibility in what you can shoot to. It's just if we were to go just based on uh, physiology, uh, the ability to see more uh, with the camera presented since it's all anal content um, that allows us for really stunning uh, imagery, uh, both on top-down scenes as well as reclined. Uh, but with that as well, it's a lot more demanding on performers, and we are kind of trying to train a, a new crop of performer who can it work successfully in VR because 
uh, well, let's, let's talk about the girls. Um, we, we're asking a lot of them. We're asking them to deliver lines, to uh, set moods and tones and interact uh, with the binaural audio, uh, to just be a glowing presence while also trying to maintain an erection or um, just human issues that happen on set uh, and things of that nature. So it is a much more demanding experience for performers. And with that, uh, you factor in the, I hate to say it, the stunt equation of, of the male performer just lying there without the ability to, to physically interact with the model. It's hard for them to play off an emotional connection that one would normally see within uh, a 2D hardcore scene. So it, it's taking a lot of uh, trial and error and coaching and, and showing examples of, of good work to the girls, uh, uh, doing storyboarding so that it helps them better see how the scene is going to be shot from different angles and what's expected of it, just so that everybody has a clear understanding of what to do and then how to act. And, and with this as being like a new medium, it has all these weird challenges. It's all the little details that I'm really trying to think about uh, as far as what'll make experiences that um, they don't get in the way, but they kind of lend to the overall immersive nature. Uh, do you ever watch Westworld? No. Hmm. Uh, okay. Um, uh, there, there's a little bit in there where they're trying to add details uh, within the the robots, these uh, robot hosts, and it's like the little touches, like a slow blink from a girl, the way that you know, she runs her finger across her lips. These little tiny, they call them flourishes. That's what helps build um, the more realistic nature within the, the presentation. I, I kind of think that's true with the VR stuff, like either the details that are on the wall or uh, the lines that a girl delivers or the way she looks at the camera um, and almost feels if she's looking directly at you. And it, It's all about like little subtleties in the way the, the eyebrows lift up or the smile. These kind of details, I think, can really push uh, a scene that's good to being great. I give it up for the performers. What they do day in, day out, it's it's just challenging. And uh, I hope a lot of people appreciate the, the work they do. How often do you shoot? What's the release schedule for Groovy now? Is it like once a week or once every two weeks? I believe it's once every two weeks right now. Uh, it's still on a uh, paper download business model. I think eventually they're going to try and move it over to more of a subscription basis, which kind of seems standard uh, for the industry. Um, uh, with that, we shoot in batches, sort of similar to how uh, Anna was mentioning with Hollow Girls. We'll film a bunch of content and then wait for the, the editing and try and roll that out as quickly as possible. Uh, kind of work within not a, like a like a small batch process. So we'll edit one scene and throw it out there versus trying to waterfall and edit them all at a long time, which then uh, starts to delay the release uh, schedule. And how big is your team? Let's see. So on set, we have about three or four people, and my wife works with us too. Uh, she's amazing as far as keeping everything in schedule and keeping me focused. Um, the, we have a photographer, uh, we have a PA. Uh, as far as post production and filming, um, that's kind of left up to me. So 
you know, shoot the content and then I take it home, ingest it, uh, do your stereo work and then do linear editing as well as color grading and audio and all that kind of stuff. So right now that kind of affects how quickly we can release stuff. But as support grows, I feel that we can get more staff and I'd actually love that. I think with, with this project, it's not just about trying to create the future of VR, trying to push content out there that moves VR forward. But I think it's also about uh, finding good people to work with and creating a nice team and expanding uh, on the staff at Groovy just so that you know more jobs, more people uh, involved. And uh, with that, hopefully better content, better ideas that go forward. Does Groovy just say, okay, the model's going to be this person, and then you take it from there, you write the script, or what do they give you exactly? Uh, with Groovy VR, it, it, that works a lot of times model first. It, a lot of it's due just based on availability, model availability, scheduling. And then when we have a model, we try and figure out what is the best use case for this model in a POV scenario. Uh, for VR. So uh, with that, we'll talk with other Groovy photographers as far as who uh, their experiences and uh, try to craft some type of scenarios that we have a, a game plan to focus the shoot on. Um, something else that we're working on as well is uh, with Groovy, we're partnered on doing uh, genetic girl or cis girl content as well, uh, hardcore and solo scenes but with that one it works a little differently with that we're working the scenario first and then we're casting after is that going to be a different site really different site okay wow yeah so that's something to look forward to yeah something to grow and something to build upon yeah so that obviously keeps you busy i would assume right now yeah very much so um which is why uh, I think with more more support grows for the project, I'd love to allocate more uh, people and resources towards growing all sides, not just uh, pre-production or in camera shooting, but post-production as well, training people how to basically do what we do so that we can provide more and better content to the consumers. And do you have any possibilities to work with other people? I'm open to it. Uh, with uh, our new partnership on the CISGIRL side, it's going to be called JustVR.XXX. Uh, with that, uh, we're trying to just stay focused. Uh, I think by spreading myself out too much, then at a certain point, everything will quality across the board will start to diminish. I'd much rather, rather be focused with a, a company that I enjoy working with, um, talented uh, models and that, i think that's probably the best way to go about it for now if i start shooting too, for too many people then you know the, things get a little strange there's more personalities than anything else how long does it take you you say you do the post-processing how long how many hours do you have to put in for one shoot uh, let's see here um if we were to Consider just an average boy girl shoot is maybe about two hours for that one individual scene, things like makeup and hair and, and getting everybody situated, going through all the takes necessary, um, delays that happen with shooting on set. Uh, once that comes in, uh, then 
a lot of the time on post-production is dedicated towards rendering, breaking it out from fisheye to rectangular has a render time, maybe about 10 hours or so. And then from that, you also have to do your linear editing, uh, do your audio editing, render another version of that out. So that might take another three hours. Then once we finally have that product after it's been color graded and, and we have a good linear timeline and there are no uh, issues either with uh, visual noise or audio issues or linear timeline editing issues, then there's uh, break, uh, exporting for multiple formats. And with that, maybe about another four hours. So a, a lot of it too is uh, it's rendering time. And with that, it comes down to, once again, space and time. It's how much data do we have on all of our drives? I've burnt through eight terabyte drives quite easily. And with that, you're just moving around files, trying to make sure that when things export, they don't hit the limit and all of a sudden it crashes on you. The worst thing is if you set the render for overnight, you're hoping that it bakes in correctly and you wake up and then you realize that it crashed halfway through either due to an encoding issue or maybe there was a power outage. Oh, last summer when the heat wave was going on in the States, power went out all the time. I mean, even with a a universal power supply, sometimes that would, that cut off a few times and sometimes that's human error as well. So there are all these little issues that, and hiccups that come up along the way. Um, And you just have to try and get your workflow to be as predictable as possible so that you can mitigate all of these issues that come along the the post-production pipeline um, as best as you can. I remember talking to the guys in Japan who are doing the animated stuff, and they Mm -hmm. said the same thing. He he called it like it was his baby, you know, and Mm -hmm. he would he would put it to bed at night, and he would Mm -hmm. sometimes he'd get woken up in the middle of the night because it was crying, and he'd have to. Yeah, that's that's a really great analogy for what it is. And I, I think at that point, you, you you have to be invested in virtual reality to be able to dedicate that amount of time because it, it's a lot just for one scene. And, you know, at the end of the well, not at the end of the day, but I'll, there are financial obligations in any human's life. So you have to think about how much time you're putting toward a project and how much uh, finance uh, financial reward comes with that. And, you know, maybe if I were to present what we do to create VR 180 uh, for adult erotica, if I were to present that to a mainstream company, the budget would have been, I don't know, at least 10 times as much. So all of the people who are producing the content that VR adult VR fans uh, enjoy, they're getting a fantastic deal um, as far as the, the amount of work and the amount of dedication that people are putting in just to try and push this medium forward and i'm not sure if you're aware of it but vr 180 has it's been marginalized a lot within the the vr community there was so much money put towards 360 that the idea let me clarify that 2d 360 that even the idea of stereo was kind of laughed at Um, all the forums on facebook that are dedicated towards uh, 360 VR professionals and whatnot. Nobody wanted to touch stereo because it was just such a problem. And then after that, when you get into talking about limiting your field of view to just 180, a lot of people were like, well, why do we want to do that? You know, you're only getting half of the resolution. Uh, and then when 
people realize that it was more about uh, erotic uh, adult erotic content you also get that stigma along with it as well um, i remember going to a post-production uh sort of a meetup uh, unveiling i forgot which software company but uh, they had a representative from Google Daydream there, and you know, I was very happy to get a chance to to speak with them and see what they were working on in the pipeline. And I wanted, you know, just out of curiosity, see what their thoughts were about uh, 3D 180 at the time and uh, adult content and the possibility of eventually putting it on a daydream platform and you still get the stock response as far as uh, you know we don't support adult content and such and such and such. So. As strange as it sounds, even from a technological standpoint, there's still a stigma and pushback against adult content. And by having adult focus primarily on the 3D 180 stuff, and then now with the fall off of 360 as that's coming into a decline with Google changing 3D 180 into VR 180 to make it more consumer friendly and approachable, it feels a little justified. And it feels like, uh, once again, the adult community is kind of pushing the envelope as far as what people want to see within their technological experiences or erotic experiences using this new medium. I think I read somewhere where you were talking to a group of um, adult entertainers about how they could get into VR. Is that something you're still doing? Oh, yeah, uh, that was uh, APAC. I was fortunate enough to, to speak over there, um, Ella Darling. Uh, invited me uh, to talk with some of their members. Yeah, I think I think with the rise of independent models who can manage their own brands, who t- do a lot of cam shows, create their own content, I think with VR and the promise of VR and creating these immersive experiences with their dedicated fans, that's the future of where our industry will probably go towards. Um, until we get to the point where we end up in uh, that movie, The Congress, with Robin Wright, where you're just kind of licensing your, your visual likeness and then a CGI company does whatever they want with that. You know, that's probably the future future. Um, but in the meantime, uh, having uh, models be able to create their own content for VR, I think that will really kick off or reignite a new market for this type of medium. I know you've got that other uh, content. You said you're going to start a new site, but is there anything else you're working on? Uh, well, the new site is is probably the most important right now. I want to get that out because you know, we put a lot of time and thought into the type of content we want to produce. Um, and initially, we're starting off with a round of like NTR slash cuckold content, uh, some solo scenes. And I wanted to differentiate the products that we produce from everybody else, uh, either within the color grading or the storytelling, uh, little things, little details that we can add in that made it more immersive. Um, so hopefully when we get that out there, throw it to the wolves on Reddit, what they say, and just use that feedback to create a better product. Um, after that, What I'm working on as well is uh, bringing up some of the photographers that he has around the world to get them creating uh, their own rigs uh, as well as their own post-production workflow going so that we can start to build up the content that Groovy VR will offer. Uh, So it's not just North American based, but global. Uh, So that's what I'm looking forward to in the rest of this year. And uh, I'm very excited. 
All right. Well, hey, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. And many thanks again to Telly for sharing so many interesting details about his experience in VR porn production and about virtual reality in general. He is clearly very passionate about VR, and I have no doubt that he will continue to be successful in whatever he does in VR going forward. I found his views on 360 versus 180 cameras especially interesting, as I always wondered why there was so much focus on the 2D 360 content early on, as it seems so obvious that 3D was way more immersive, even if it was only in 180. Telly will be keeping me up to date on his new site, JustVR.XXX, and I will pass along those updates to you as well, either here on the podcast or on VRPimp.com. And once again, if you're looking to purchase content on GroovyVR, you can use the discount code VRPIMP25 to get 25% off your order there. And I think that will about do it for this episode of the VR Pimp Podcast. I thank you for listening, and until next time, this is Scotty Velvet, signing off. <laughs>